Welcome to the IEEE Blockchain Podcast Series, an IEEE Digital Studio production. This podcast series, entitled Research Notes in Blockchain, is hosted by Quinn Dupont, former assistant professor at the University College Dublin School of Business and founder of Alumni, a Web3 startup with a mission of putting university diplomas on blockchain. Quinn is also the author of Cryptocurrencies and Blockchains. In this episode, Quinn speaks with Dr. Chris Elsden, Chancellor's Fellow in Service Design in the Institute for Design Informatics at the University of Edinburgh. Dr. Elsden discusses the role of design as it relates to blockchain and how it can shed light on utilizing decentralized technologies in tangible, safe, and ethical ways. Well, Chris, thanks for joining us today. I'm really excited to be speaking with you in particular today because you come from the HCI or human computer interaction world, which thinks a lot about design and the sort of questions that every person who wants to think about approaching a blockchain from a research or development perspective needs to sort of start to grapple with. So I'd like to open up the conversation really broad from the beginning here and just ask you a little bit more about the role or what you see as the role uh, for designers when they start to think about cryptocurrencies and blockchains. As I see it, I think there's a bit of a new role for designers here. And particularly there's there's a new role, but there's also new risks. There's risks around tokenization, value exchange. These are really important things. And specifically, I'm interested in seeing how value-centered design can get can be an essential part of the design and development process when we think about cryptocurrencies and blockchain. So maybe you could just start there, tell me a little bit more about what you see the designer's role in this interesting new world is. Yeah, it's a really good question. I think it challenges designers and design quite a bit. So, I mean, from a traditional human-computer interaction point of view, we could say, like, well, wallets are quite hard to use, and, hey, there's a lot of concerns about... um, uh, people falling for scams and how they might identify or what's a, a good project to be involved in and how to use something safely. And those things are all really important. And there's a fair bit of research about how people use things like cryptocurrency exchanges. Um, in some respects, that's the kind of bread and butter of uh, UX design um, that we might see with any new technology. What I think is really interesting and challenging for designers when it comes to something like blockchain and cryptocurrencies is it's asking designers to step into some kind of new spaces. Um, you touched on some of it there around um, value and economics and, and uh, particularly thinking about how do we design for sort of networks of stuff and network infrastructure so we're not just focusing on one interface or one particular product or a graphic, um, but actually we're trying to maybe design whole systems. Um, and there's quite a bit of work out there on, on, on system design. Um, and I think it's the, the, the fact that it's... Um, looking at kind of taking things that are human relationships and trying to formalize them some way in, in computer code or thinking about how, what, how can we make improve this particular relationship by producing a token of some kind. So um, I think there's a real breadth there that is challenging and sometimes uh, quite difficult for designers to, to engage with. Um, what I think designers bring is a real sort of sensitivity to how things really work and the real context of use and the, the challenges that you inevitably run up up against um, when you might figure something out on the back of an envelope or figure something out on paper um, but then you actually say put this in the hands of people who are not completely immersed in web3 and discord servers and metamask and say hey what do you think of this thing you know that's a lot of the work that we've been doing is sort of trying to confront 
blockchain technologies with real world applications and, and, and needs and, and figuring out what, you know, where's the gap and, and how do we bridge that? Yeah, let's talk a little more about some of these, what I see as sort of these fundamental design tensions. What I'm trying to understand is most, a lot, the predominant view of design in HCI seems to come out of, you know, human-centered design, right? Speaking about things about value-centered design. But I see there's a kind of tension here, right? With blockchains, we're talking about this massive scale or basically big data types of problems. We have these highly functional or high functionality systems that can be used for multiple things. They're heterogeneously distributed. Typically, they're formally leaderless. They often have very little strategic design. You know, governance is very loose. So as a, as a researcher, are you able to approach these with this idea of, of, a, of a centered identity for a human in, in, in realistically? Or do we have to now start to maybe open up and think a little bit more about transhumanism or some various kinds of post-cognitive design um, methodologies? I've spoken on the podcast before with people like uh, Michael Zargum, who you know takes this complex systems approach and wants to see that there's these emergent properties. So where do you put that design intervention? Yes, that's a, a good question. I mean, I think in uh, in general, one of the most interesting and challenging things is the way that human agency is, is decentered by some of these technologies. It's, it can be quite scary in some respects, but I think actually um, it produces some of the most interesting um, topics and contexts for the use of these things. So thinking about some of the work we've done, has been thinking about what happens when you give a thing be it a coffee machine or um, a piece of art when you give it a wallet and realizing that that gives it some level of autonomy that might go beyond um, simply programming it to act in a certain way. Um, I should say in terms of uh, a lot of the work that we do is um, we see the using design as a way to maybe pick on a particular aspect of blockchain technologies, whether that's um, decentralization, whether it's automation, whether it's um, about tokenomics and thinking how can we in a, in a human space, maybe in a, in a gallery space, in a, uh, at an event, how can we create interactions or um, uh, some form of event where people can experience, well, what, I'm, what kind of dialogue am I now having um, with this coffee machine that's also making some economic decisions on my behalf or um, with this lockbox, which is running on a smart contract and um, is uh, recording everything I do to a blockchain. So, from our side, we're very interested in confronting people with that non-human actor and thinking about, well, where does that then position them uh, in relation to an object or perhaps an organization as well? So we try to make these kinds of cuts, which expose, well, how do we feel about where power might be moving around or, or, or um, what's that doing to shift the kind of some values that we assumed that were held? Um, so, so, that, so, so that's kind of the way that we try to work to try to expose these things and then question um, what the the challenges or the opportunities with that that might be. Yeah, let's talk a little more about this. You use this term cuts. I think this is from your research, um, Karen Barad's work around mm -hmm. gentle cuts and kind of looking at some of the semantic challenges that are here. So maybe if you could just be a little bit more concrete, you mentioned a couple of the examples I, I, I saw in your research. Uh, you know, there's a coffee maker and, and there's a variety of these sort of art and design interventions. Could you just tell me a little bit more about maybe even just tell me a little more about those examples and, and how what some give me a flavor for the kinds of issues that these interventions bring to the fore? 
Yeah, so I should say from, you know, to start with, we kind of have a couple of different starting points. So sometimes we have organizations that come to us and are just really interested. They've heard about this blockchain thing, this this cryptocurrency stuff, and they're interested about what it means for their context. So um, we've had charities come into us thinking, what does that mean for the future of, of, of the way that we donate? Um, and other times there are particular um, facets of these technologies we're interested in. And often an object that's very mundane and everyday, like a coffee machine, can be a really good way to kind of crystallize um, some of the, the philosophy or the pragmatics of, of how these things these things work. So um, in design informatics, um, where I work, uh, over almost the past decade, we've done a number of these types of projects. Um, and our aim is almost always to kind of get people in a room with something and with each other around one of these these devices they're often at varying levels of fidelity so um sometimes they're a fully working functioning machine so the um, the bit barista was a coffee machine that had a bitcoin wallet um it uh, rewarded the the user for um doing things like cleaning cleaning up and changing the changing the changing the coffee um it also would present the user with choices about where do you want your next bag of coffee to come from? And, and the users could prioritize the cheapest coffee or the most sustainable coffee um, or the best tasting coffee. Um, and then the, the implication was that the, the votes of those users would go towards the next bag of coffee that would be bought. And in a sense, the coffee machine was ordering for itself. Um, and, and we've deployed this in, in, in office environments. And you, know, you realize that um, there are all sorts of subtle rules and implications about the way we use coffee machines in everyday life that lots of people's offices, if they still remember them, um, we, you know, we rely upon. Um, and actually, even changing really small facets of this interaction can really change the sort of social interactions around that type of space. Um, so that was a very high fidelity kind of interaction where we, you know, it was all working at uh, the price of Bitcoin at the time was fluctuating quite a bit. So um, if we'd held on to some of that, um, this was back in 2015, it would be worth quite a bit more now. Um, in other cases, we've done things which are kind of more resembling workshops. We've used things like Lego blocks. We ran a whole workshop around um, self-sovereign identity that was based on a, a fictional um, pizza making company. And it needed to train a lot of people in skills about how to make pizzas and then have other people certify those skills. And we end up using a, a washing line and various things to try and very tangibly visualize, well, here's what a distributed ledger looks like. Here's how you can check independently whether someone has this or that skill. So, so kind of depending on the context and I guess depending on what we're trying to understand from the people we work with, um, uh, we kind of vary these levels of, of, of fidelity um, in, in, in that, that kind of work. And I guess as well, it's, it's worth saying that what we're trying to do here is is think more in the sort of longer term, like what are the implications for living and being with these technologies? And um, it's not necessarily about um, sort of validating a particular blockchain or a particular technology or application because they're always changing and in an academic side, we'll never, we'll never quite keep up. Um, instead, it's thinking longer term about, um, you know, what do these technologies have to say about ownership? Or what do these technologies have to say about um, how we manage our identities or how we present ourselves? And so in that respect, what we found is that these, even though these are projects we did several years ago, they keep they continue, they keep resonating, um, and there might be a new application or a new um, new sort of uh, hot topic in in, in the sort of blockchain space that they're relevant to. Um, but they, but they, they they give us a way really to talk to all sorts of different audiences about these technologies, even if they don't entirely understand all the mechanics of proof of work or or how a blockchain actually functions. We can still present to them. Um, 
uh, well, here's the kind of idea behind this technology. Here's why people are excited about it. What does that? What would that mean for you or for your organization? So, so that's the kind of idea of what we're trying to achieve. Sure, that makes sense. And so, you know, in in your research, this you make use of design fictions and a lot of uh, imaginaries and 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 these kinds of discourse based approaches. I see a lot in the literature, and I think they're really valuable, just as you just described them. But one of the interesting things I think that design in particular offers is you already touched on it, this notion of tangibility. A lot of what you looked at were, as you said, objects of varying kinds of fidelity. You were looking at process. So I'm just wondering if you have some thoughts on that designerly tangibility feature. Like what what, what is it about getting a person in front of a, a, a an artifact that they can interact with that is so revealing. I mean, one thing is, it's just a comfort level, right? So, so people know how to use a coffee machine. So if you mm. put this, this, this crazy Bitcoin thing in a coffee machine, then the suddenly we open up some sort of practice that they can draw on uh, and that they can, they can use to understand what this blockchain might be doing. So there's a sort of familiarity that's there. Um, I think there is just a thing about occupying space and, you know, being, whether that's we've done things um, with a different coffee cup system um, that we've used at events and conferences and that, you know, there's, there's an opportunity then to intervene in spaces or, or in a way that is that is playful. And, and so you, I think people can have fun with these things without feeling like it's too serious. And I'm um, certainly from a research side as well, we, we're really concerned about how do we, you know, there's a lot of ethical challenges with these technologies. And, and so how do we introduce them to people in a way that is um, critical and safe, but also open-minded and, and sort of points to what's the broader future for these kinds of things. So um, using sort of different tangible objects can be a way to, to do that. Um, I think the other thing I'd say is that it helps simplify. And I would say in a lot of our projects, we tend to try and focus on maybe just one or two particular features or blockchains or decentralized technologies that are interesting, whether that's about, okay, well, let's think about what a smart contract is and let's focus on the idea of um, self-executing code or let's think about your identity record. And we might be um, kind of hiding lots of other parts of the technology because it's just too overwhelming for someone to, to engage with. So the tangibility can give you a way to kind of draw focus on particular aspects of, of what technology is doing. Um, and I think also it, it highlights that lots of the things you might be doing with blockchains are not necessarily new. Like we've we've had token systems for a long time. Um, we've had um, ways of different ways of recording things. So often we're kind of there's a sort of resonance there as well, which is saying, well, hey, this this thing is not maybe quite as new as it's claiming to be, and you don't need to be quite so uh, worried or presume often that oh, hey, I don't know anything about that, so I can't have an opinion or, 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 or something. So it's often about just giving people kind of confidence to to play and to practice, and then to be able to kind of we hope relate that maybe go back to their colleagues and say, oh, I was in this workshop and we we're doing this thing, and actually it made me think of this other thing that we're doing. So so we kind of hope that it's a way of, of building connections that I think often can be quite difficult to do when you're confronted with a white paper or um, mm-hmm. you know, a sort of a Twitter thread or something like that. And described that way, it sounds very much like the sort of process that designers and user experience uh, designers and, and user testers, these kinds of things they've done for, you know, for years, as you mentioned, some of this might not necessarily be new. With that in mind, I would love to hear your thoughts a little bit on some of the more traditional 
processes that user experience designers are going to be thinking about human-centered designers. So, uh, you know, I'm thinking of things like testing and evaluation or task definition. What about risk management, disaster planning? Do you have any thoughts on some of those activities, what they would need to transform into to be relevant for these massively decentralized systems? Yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I'd say I'd say like one thing is just that it's surprising how much of that fund, at least in the academic literature, how much of that kind of fundamental work is still to be done. Um, I sort of broad challenge is that there's lots of sort of contemporary features of UX um, and sort of what we would just describe as user friendly design, so like to take something like password recovery. Um, where we just rely on the fact that if I forget my password, I can click a link and I get an email and then I, then I put, it, put it in. Um, there's lots of things like that, which when you remove a centralized actor, um, that, that actually become just a, whole, a lot more difficult. Um, and so I think there's a whole sort of work set of work there about um, what are the kind of tenants of, of good UX, we might say, um, that we just are now baked into all sorts of interfaces that suddenly become a bit trickier to do. If you're if you're asking if you're using a decentralized system, um, equally I think alongside that certainly wallet management again feels quite under researched, um, and certainly while it's while it's got I'd say the, the easy, wallets are easier to use than, than, than they have been in the past, there's still an awful lot of um, faith and trust there that the user has to go through um, in order to actually just start experiencing and using the thing and kind of just back to the tangibility thing as well often what we've been trying to do is get people a way to engage with the the kind of tenants of these technologies without having to go through some of the challenges of, of, of things like managing a wallet um, we just did an exhibition recently um, where people could, could mint nfts um, in relation to a generative artwork they created very much about getting giving people the experience and, and the opportunity to understand what nfts are and, and form an opinion of them um, and this was, but this is the first time we actually had people engage directly with setting up their own cryptocurrency wallet. Um, and in some respects, it was quite successful in terms of like many people were able to do this. Um, but it still felt like a, we were making a huge ask of our participants to to be able to do that independently. Um, so I think there's some sort of sort of basics there um, that that will be really interesting to see how, for example, design patterns and and sort of even just like the dialogue around these things, like how do we um, you know, in terms of, again, from a research point of view, we're very concerned about people having informed consent, but understanding what they're taking part in and, and just trying to write down, like, this is what's happening to your data. Here's where it's going. Here's uh, here's why it's really important that you um, don't lose this seed phrase. And uh, here's what, what the implications are of you sharing your wallet address with someone. So if you understand the technology, those things are those things are, are relatively clear. But, um, you know, a lot of users coming new to the technology uh, won't necessarily uh pick that up right away, even if, even if it's kind of sort of spelled out in T's and C's. And so I think there's still quite a lot of fundamentals there um, that, that obviously as well are parts of the reason why a lot of people um, fall victim to, 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 to scams and things in the space as well. Mm-hmm. So we've got a lot of design work to do, everything from usability to safety and assurance and all these kinds of things. I know that you're still actively working in HCI and informatics. Maybe just to conclude here, I've got a kind of a two-pronged question for you. One, tell me a little more about what you're working on coming up. And two, if you know, if if you could work on anything, if you all of a sudden got a huge grant, where do you think the next steps needs 
would need to be? What's what what what's next for HCI and blockchain? Yeah, so <laughs> that's a big question. Um, so I guess in terms of stuff that we're doing, like I said, we've just done this this exhibition called a token gesture, um, where people were able to to uh, create non transferable NFTs, as it were. So essentially, they created an artwork and they. Um, that art was then registered and included in an exhibition and, and they got their potentially their first nft and, and so so we we what we found it took us a long time to decide about how we would and whether we would engage and do an nft project but the thing that i find really interesting there um it's not even nfts themselves per se but what that whole space says about ownership and how we want to engage with digital possessions and if you look back in the literature about 10 years or so, there's a whole wave of work around digital possessions around the time that cloud computing becomes a really sort of um, uh, wide, wide, um, wide context of use. Um, and it sort of reflects the anxiety that we had. Hey, my things are no, no longer physical. I've got all the digital stuff. How's it going to be managed on the cloud? And in some ways, I feel we're at a kind of similar moment where people are really starting to question ownership of digital things. Um, and actually questioning the cloud as a legitimate space for that. So I think that whole space of digital ownership, what we consider as mine and ours and how I make claims of ownership over things, I think that's really, really interesting. And, um, you know, what, what, what that ranges from things like tickets to obviously to, to cryptocurrency, to social media profiles, to address books, all these sorts of things. So I think that's a really big space that, um, is interesting. I suppose the other thing that we're working on is thinking about the application of these in the context of the creative industries. Um, so what does this all mean for someone who's a freelance photographer? Or what does this mean for someone who's a, a musician, say? Um, and sort of, so situating these things as well in the context of not just on their own, but in this whole space around the, the sort of what's called a creative economy. So how, how are people getting paid in the creative industries in five, 10 years um, as they're increasingly working in a kind of freelance gig um, fashion? Uh, and also, you know, they're a really interesting community of people to work with because they already have a sort of real sensitivity to multiple streams of income and, and multiple um, and sort of precarity and and um, engaging with lots of different audiences to understand what they what they value. So um, I'd say those two for me, those two things are the bit interesting. A big piece around digital possession and ownership and, and thinking about what this means in the context of different creative industries, whether that's music or art or journalism. I think there's a huge amount there. I think that's a great place to end it. I think that we're still we're still only seeing we've only seen the beginnings of the creative industries get a hold of these technologies. So uh, more to be had there. Thank you very much, Chris, for this conversation. Thank it's you. been super illuminating, and I hope uh, listeners will check out your work and continue to engage with HCI informatics and, and informatics and design. So have yourself a lovely afternoon. Thank you. You too. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to our interview with Chris Elston. To learn more about the IEEE Blockchain Initiative, please visit our web portal at blockchain.ieee.org.